0: Discover the power of positivity, identify your gifts, then plan and execute your passion, and ultimately thrive exponentially in life, and most importantly in business, on Sudden Eye Impact, with your host, Lee. The environment would be a greater day, greater day. Yes, and your life counts and enthusiasm definitely makes a difference. Hello and welcome you you live on the Sudden Impact Show with your host, Lee, coming to you from the DFW Metroplex. On the sudden Eye Impact show, we have fun together, we learn together, and we encourage one another. On the sudden Eye Impact show, we discuss a variety of topics such as, but not limited to, 100% personal responsibility, accountability, accountability partners, consciousness, awareness, being the observer, the power of belief, the power of thought, the power of expectation, the power of words, creativity, innovation, visionary leadership, entrepreneurship, goal setting, goal attainment, imagination, visualization, economic empowerment, relationships, the power of partnerships, belief systems, decision-making, the mind, mindset, success, decision-making, self-concept, focus, mastery, and attitude. On our show, we share concepts, principles, processes, and systems that work when you work them, that deliver good and great results. Our show's vision, mission, purpose, and intention is discussed and deliver simple, basic, fundamental ways to help everyday people experience more fulfillment, satisfaction, enrichment, enjoyment, health, mental health awareness, and overall peace, to utilizing your own latent resources that lie dormant within you. Today, we have a special treat for you. We have a special guest. His name is Coach Michael Taylor. He is the author of the new book, The Good News is the Future is Brighter Than You Think. He is an enthusiast. He is a highly sought-after keynote motivational speaker and transformational thought leader With no further ado, we bring to the stage Coach Michael Taylor. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Lee. And as I listened to all of your – what your show is about, I was like, okay, now this guy's definitely speaking my language. So really glad to be on the show with you today. Hey, my pleasure to have you. I believe that it's great for the audience. And uh, I know we have an amazing show on tap. If you would, kind of tell us uh, a little bit about your story and – uh, hop into uh, the new book. Yeah, so so let's go back about 25 years, okay? I was I was 23 years old, and I was living the American dream. I had the house, the wife, the 2.5 kids, the 401Ks, the vacations, and all of that. And by society standards, I had succeeded. And within approximately a six-and-a-half-year time frame, that American dream turned into the American nightmare as I went through a divorce, a bankruptcy, a foreclosure, a deep, deep state of depression, and I was homeless for two years living out of my car. And during the darkest period of my life, I received a miracle. I was sitting up late one night because I was too depressed to sleep, and I was sitting at the edge of my bed looking across the room at my bookshelf when I happened to notice that every book on my bookshelf had something to do with getting rich or making money. And as I looked at those books, this question just popped in my head, Michael, what if you took all the energy and effort you've used in trying to get rich and simply figure out how to be happy? And as simplistic as that question may sound, it literally changed and saved my life in an instant. All of a sudden, as after asking that question, I had this amazing clarity and my depression lifted and I intuitively knew that somehow I was going to be able to rebuild my life, and it was going to become extraordinary. And so after asking that question, I stopped reading books on getting rich and making money. I started reading books on psychology, philosophy, spirituality, metaphysics, personal development. And I went on what I'll call this amazing journey of transformation. And as a result of that journey, I was able to rebuild my life, and now I'm living my version of an extraordinary one. And so I decided I want to share the lessons that I learned along the way, and so I started writing books. And so this is actually book number nine that I've written, and it is my intention to support and empower people to transform their lives from the inside out. And that's my motto, that's my tagline, and that's what I'm all about, helping people change their mindset so they can change their lives. Phenomenally stated, Wow. So wow, that's that's quite an experience. Um, can we talk about desire and a person having desire? What's actually stopping them from I guess experiencing their desires? Like why is it so difficult? or why is it a challenge or how do you well, overcome think, the obstacles? I, I, But I I think, first of all, you have to make a distinction between a want and a desire because they're not the same. Most of us want things, right? We want a house. We want a car. We we want these things, and that's, that's human nature. We want things. Nothing wrong with that. But I believe a desire is a lot deeper. A desire, a true desire, a heart's desire comes from the soul, comes from the spirit. It is your spirit's way of saying it wants to create something. And so a true desire is an inner state of awareness that you are here to create something. And so what keeps us from creating things, first of all, we're disconnected from our souls because we've been conditioned to believe or to always look outside of ourselves. So we're not looking internally to listen to our souls. But the the, the main reason most people don't fulfill their desires is because of fear, fear of not being good enough. Fear of not being smart enough, fear of not having the right tool. And yet, all of us as human beings have within us the capacity to be, to do, to have, to create anything our heart desires. But it's a matter of transformation. It's a matter of stop looking outside of ourselves, connecting to the divine essence of who we are. When we do that, then fear moves to the side. Wow. So, so you just gave us like a summary of what happened to you prior to me asking about desire. What, like, how did you begin to organize and and move forward? And, And the reason I'm asking this is because I know that there's somebody listening and they're in a, they feel like they're in a really, really bad spot that they can't get out of. So. Walk us, like, if you can, step-by-step step, exactly what you did. Like, you cleared your mind or whatnot, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Can you lead us step-by-step step, like we would eat an elephant piece by piece? <laughs> okay, so first, let's understand this. As human beings, life on our, our life is not linear. In other words, If I told you exactly what I did and you followed exactly what I did, your life is still not going to be the same. Your life is different than mine. But here's some things to consider if you're stuck in that place where your life isn't where it's supposed to be. First of all, it's important to recognize who and what you are as a human being. Now, as simplistic as that might sound, most people don't really know because we live in a culture that has conditioned us to think that we are human beings having a spiritual experience versus spiritual beings having a human experience. And if you can make that distinction and recognize it as a spirit, as a soul, you have a divine purpose. And so when your life isn't going well and things are sort of chaotic and things aren't working... I will assert that it is because you are out of alignment with your soul. Now, from my own perspective, when I went through my divorce, my bankruptcy, and foreclosure, as difficult and as painful as as they were, what I can now see is that they were the best thing that ever happened to me, even though they were painful and difficult. So we have to understand that being out of alignment with our soul is what causes us to experience adversities and challenges so the first step is what i'll call awareness we have to become aware first of all that we're spiritual beings secondly that we have access to what i call divine intelligence now you can call divine intelligence whatever you want to call it some people call it god some people call it jesus buddha you can call it whatever put whatever label you want on it But actually, there is a intelligence, a divine intelligence that permeates your being. If you want to get out of a situation that you're in, you must come to the acknowledgement that you have access to this. Now, a lot of people might call it prayer, but I say it begins with, first of all, recognizing for me, this is what happened. I was in a place of so much pain. I had two choices. It was either get help or die. There was no in-between. Now, the good news is I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I do drugs, any of that, or I would have been dead, I can assure you. But for me, once again, that pain was so great that I needed to do something different. And that something different for me started with my courage to go to therapy. By taking that first step, by simply acknowledging that I needed help, it opened up gates to transformation. So for anybody who's listening to this and they're dealing with some challenges and they don't want to hear this woo-woo God stuff, the first thing you have to be willing to do is to say, I need help. And know that there is support and help out there for you when you gain the courage to say that. Now, once you make that first step and you decide that you want to get support, then the transformational journey will begin. And once it begins, you have to learn to start listening to that divine intelligence that is within you, which I'll call intuition. When you make the choice to transform and you really commit to that transformation, what will begin happening is you will start receiving divine ideas, insight, synchronicity. Things will kind of happen and you kind of go, wow. Why did I just meet that person? Or why did I get this email? Amazing synchronicities start to happen. And you start being guided by that divine intelligence within you. But it begins with your willingness to start by saying, I need help. And it is in that act of surrender that we can learn to connect to our soul. Wow, nicely stated, so I know you deal with mindset a lot. Um, will you teach us what you know about mindset, what you've experienced, and the expertise you've gleaned from your experiences about mindset? So when you, when you talk about mindset, we could summarize it simply by saying being able to know and to understand and connect to what we're thinking. Mindset is simply a form of thinking. What you think about, you bring about. So, if you have a negative mindset, that means you're going to be thinking negatively. Well, guess what? You're going to attract negative experiences into your life. So, shifting a mindset is about shifting the thought that you have, because thoughts literally create reality. And if we aren't conscious of what we're thinking, we're gonna we're gonna create by default, because no matter whether you realize it or not, your mind is always creating something. And so the question becomes, Are you want to create consciously or you want to create unconsciously? So mindset is simply the process of getting in touch with what you're thinking. Now, I'm a huge proponent of meditation. And for some people, they think that meditation is the process of making your mind go blank where you don't hear anything. That's not meditation. For me, meditation is simply the understanding and recognition of what you're thinking about. Because most of it, it's been said that we have fifty to 60,000 thoughts per day. Okay? Science tells us that on any given day, we're thinking the same thought that we did the day before. So to change your mindset, you got to change what you're thinking. Once again, it comes back to awareness. Are we willing to investigate, ask ourselves questions about what we're thinking? So put it this way. If you knew with absolute certainty that your thoughts were creating your reality, wouldn't you want to think positively? I say the answer is yes. You'd want to think positively so that you can have positive experiences in your life. And that's what mindset is all about. It's about becoming aware of what you're thinking and recognizing that what you're thinking is creating your experience in life. Nicely stated. Since we're on that topic, and personally, I equate the soul with the subconscious, talk to us about like you said, conscious and unconscious, how, how do we discover what our unconscious thoughts are? And then how do we course correct if we have the unconscious blocks or the negative patterns in our subconscious? So if, if you look at the subconscious mind, the subconscious mind is like a tape recorder, right? So when we're born, we're basically recording everything that happens in our lives, and those recordings become beliefs, okay? So if we experience love and unconditional support as children, then we grow up with a set of beliefs that I'm lovable, that, you know, I'm intelligent, so forth and so on. If we receive negative programming, negative tapes, if you will, then the beliefs are, I'm no good, I'm not good enough, etc. So. If you think about subconscious beliefs, it is the subconscious beliefs that are actually running your life. So if you think of the subconscious mind like an iceberg, so 90% of an iceberg is below the surface of the water, right? 10% of the iceberg is above the water. Well, the 10% of the conscious mind is what most people process through, but they don't recognize that the subconscious mind is a thousand times more powerful than the conscious mind. So the conscious mind is simply our rational thinking, but it is our subconscious mind, those subconscious beliefs that dictate our behavior. And here's here's another way to look at it. So imagine you know someone who is an astrophysicist. Okay, an astrophysicist obviously is a very intelligent person. So their conscious mind is very active. Now. If you give that person, the astrophysicist, a book on relationships, they could study that book, they could intellectualize the concepts in the book, and they could tell you all about relationships. But when they get into a relationship, a lot of them have problems with relationships, even though they study studied and they consciously know how to do relationships. Why is that? Because their subconscious belief about themselves will override the conscious mind. What they think they know about relationships are irrelevant when it comes to how we feel about ourselves. So the subconscious mind, the subconscious programming, is what dictates our behavior. So have you ever seen a story where you have marriage counselors getting divorced? You know, a marriage counselor getting divorced you kind of think, wait a minute, wait, you teach people how to have great relationships, but you can't have one yourself? What's that about? Well, I will have said it's because their subconscious beliefs about themselves are different than the conscious beliefs they have about teaching people how to be in relationships. So the key is the subconscious mind is the storehouse of our beliefs. Our beliefs create our reality. And if we want to change our lives, we have to go into the subconscious mind and change those negative beliefs to positive ones. Wow. Nice. Man, you're hitting hard today. Talk to us about self-concept or self-image. I think you connects with it. Well, I think it was uh, Maxwell Maltz who wrote the book Psychocybernetics. And I think he's the one who actually termed, uh, coined the term self-image. And self-image is really just a set of beliefs that we have about ourselves. How we see ourselves, our self-image is a compilation of the beliefs that we have in our subconscious mind about who we are. And so if you look at people that are really successful and people, there are people that, you know, on the outside, they look really successful, but on the inside, They're driven by a sense of I'm not enough and that's why they're successful. They're successful because there's a there's a shame process. or money is, you know, just energy. So if I will allow myself to free-fall my thinking through this process, it's going to help me uncover some subconscious, deeply helpful, that when we come into the world that we receive two gifts, mind and speech. So talk to us about the power of words. Well, words aren't as important as feelings. (laughs) Mm. So here's, uh, I'll, I'll make a slight distinction. We hear a lot of talk these days about mental health, right? I will assert that the real challenge isn't mental health, but emotional health. So, words are obviously very, very powerful, and the words that we use are very, very powerful, but even more powerful are the feelings behind the words, or shall I say, the feelings underneath the words, because our true essence as human beings is love. Love, About taking 100% personal responsibility uh, for your life, and how, when you have an accountability partner or someone that keeps you accountable, how that magnifies your growth and expansion. Spiritual perspective, if you're willing to go there. If we're going to take 100% responsibility for our lives, we have to ask ourselves well, hmm, if I'm 100% responsible for my life, I can't be responsible for my divorce and, and, and getting fired from my job and, and people being mean. So it's, it seems like responsibility is denying that challenges happen. But taking 100% responsibility for your life simply means that you're willing to gain your personal power. It means that you're willing to say, if it's to be, it's up to me. And so when you choose to take 100% responsibility for your life, if you will accept my idea that there's this divine intelligence in the universe, when I say I'm 100% responsible, then that divine intelligence begins to move through me, for me, as me. But if I'm constantly pointing fingers and placing blame on others, on circumstances, then I can't, I don't have any power. So ideally, I have to say, it's all me. I take full responsibility for all of it. So as I look at my life, and again, as I mentioned, during the darkest period of my life, when things were just really dark, I couldn't understand this concept (laughs) because I was in too much pain. And so I can only say this in retrospect. But what I do know with absolute certainty, as I look at my divorce, I now see how I was responsible for it. I was responsible for my life, shall I say, falling apart. It was all me. It wasn't God doing it to me. It was the fact that my soul knew that I wasn't doing what I was put on this planet to do. And so my soul had to take drastic measures to get my attention so that I would change direction. And so it went, look, Mike, sorry about this, bro, but you're just not doing what you're supposed to do, so i got to smack you upside the head so you can get on course. Now, I never dreamed of being a writer or a speaker, but as a result of that cosmic slap on the head, I awakened to some divine gifts that I have. And interestingly enough, when I first began this journey, I was an atheist who did not believe in God at all. And so this whole thing about self-responsibility is simply making a commitment to be in communion with divine intelligence, saying, hey, I got this. I can do whatever I set my mind to. I've got you on my team, so how can I lose? Now, you mentioned accountability partners. <laughs> Extremely important to have a tribe. Is it? The, the term they using these days is a tribe, which is simply a group of like-minded people to support you in your transformation. And so having a tribe is the key, because if you pay attention to mainstream media, we are so inundated with negativity and pessimism and cynicism and And to start having these types of conversations, most people aren't willing to have them. Most people aren't willing to take responsibility for their life. Most people are going to sit there and blame the government, blame Trump, blame racism, blame blame their age, blame their parents. And so there's no shortage of blame. But when we have a support... to challenge us and encourage us to move in the right direction. I know, I know you, you can. Would you care to talk to us about imagination, what you believe it is, and visualization? Imagination is simply the imaging end of divine ideas. So, once again, if you will accept my idea that there is this divine intelligence that permeates the universe, it is this intelligence that causes a bone to heal, causes the planet to stay in alignment. It is the source that creates world. If we align with it, it will begin giving us insights through pictures, feelings, intuition, if you will. So imagination is when we connect to the divine source, it is going to give us everything we need as we move along this journey. And so, as mentioned, when I was an atheist, I remember, if you would even say the word God, I couldn't hear a word you said. My mind was, from divine intelligence. And so when I had the thought that I was going to become an author, it took me a couple of years, but eventually I wrote my first book. It didn't become a New York Times bestseller, but it sold very well. But just imagine that here's this guy in the backseat of a car with nothing, but yet he has an idea. Well, see, that's imagination. That's tuning in to divine intelligence. And when we tune into divine intelligence on a regular basis, we will have an infinite amount of divine ideas. Because ideas are the currency of the universe. Nicely stated. Wow. So talk to us about focus and focus mastery, because it's said that what we focus on expands. And that's just pretty fitting that you will be in that certain disposition, but you will receive a wonderful idea and then have the courage to actually write it on paper. And they say when you write something on paper, it becomes real. Absolutely. And so focus is that process of paying attention to what you have an intention for. So let me say that again. Focus is paying attention to the intention that you have. So when I wanted to become an author, I had to focus my attention on learning, okay? My intention was to write a book, but my attention had to be on gaining the knowledge to be able to write the book. So it takes an incredible amount of focus on an, uh, putting your attention on something to fulfill the role that attitude and aptitude play in all of this? (laughs) Yeah, so attitude is everything. Um, Attitude comes back to self-image because your self-image is going to dictate your attitude. If you feel good about yourself, if you love yourself, then your attitude is going to reflect that when you see people that are really negative and angry all the time, it's the result of a mindset and inner uh, self image of I'm not worthy. Something's wrong with me. That's why people have these, these negative um, self images. And so if you want to, if you want to have, a, you know, the, You know, they say your attitude determines your altitude, right? So the higher vibration I can put my mind in, the higher I'm going to be lifted in the world. So my attitude is going to dictate how high up I can go. And for me, a positive mental attitude has no ceiling (laughs) because like the universe, it's infinite. So having that positive attitude is the key to succeeding in anything. Nicely stated. What does success mean to you? What does it encompass? Success to me is waking up in the morning and then going to bed at night. And in between those times, doing exactly what you want to do and having fun doing it. That, to me, is success. Nicely stated. Talk to us about the power to be able to make it. There are some people. I mean, they won't make a decision to save their life. Why, why is it? Why is it that way? Th- that they don't make. That they can't make decisions. Yeah, or they're. Very, I mean, like really, you have to really back them against the wall for them to make a decision. And the reason I'm asking this is because I know in the audience there are different, various types of people. So I'm trying to get meat for everybody. Yeah, so you know, lack of lack of decision making is usually a sense of uh, a lack of self esteem. It's a it's a lack of self confidence in oneself. Afraid that if I make the wrong decision then I'm you know I'm not good enough or it it reinforces the idea that I'm not good enough. So the person that, that can't make decisions is just unsure of themselves. And so the key to changing that is change your self image. The key to changing that is learning self love. The key to changing that is to stop worrying about what other people think and simply learn to think for yourself to make your own decisions. Now, easier said than done for most people, but that's the key. The reason you don't, make, the reason some people don't make decisions is because they simply aren't comfortable, and confident in who they are as human beings. Wow. So, can you talk to us about the power of partnership? Because I'm a numbers guy, and everything that I aim to do, I'm thinking multiplication. Talk to us about the power of partnership. Well. Partnership in terms of relationship or partnership in terms of like accountability? When you say yeah, Accountability and then like, you know, affiliating with like minded people, how it 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 gives you momentum and, and quicker acceleration. So when you start talking about partnership, let's 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 go to the good book where it says well, two, where two or more are gathered, there shall I be. So, there's power in energy. So, if I surround myself with like-minded people that are doing what I'm doing, and, okay, let me let me back up a little bit. Have you ever heard of a guy named David Hawkins? Mm-hmm, yeah. Power versus okay, force. Okay, Yeah. Power so he came up with this consciousness uh, scale, which for those who are not familiar with it, it's a consciousness scale from zero to a thousand. And so just imagine that this scale is simply a, a, a scale of vibration. So the average human being vibrates at around 200, he states, around 200. The enlightened masters are like 700 to a thousand. So when you start talking about partnerships, If I'm vibrating at a 200, I definitely don't want to vibrate with anyone less than 200, right? Because I want to make sure that that energy stays high, that energy stays up. So the goal is to constantly move up the scale. So if I'm going to do that, then I have to start associating with people that are maybe doing at 300 or 400. So how do we do that? We read their books. We go to their seminars. We learn from them so that we can now also raise our vibration. And so partnership is extremely important, and that's why you have to find teachers that will help lift you up, help your vibration. And so you go to the people that are vibrating at higher levels than you so that you can move up that scale. Does that make sense? Makes sense. With this whole COVID thing and the pandemic that's hit, um, I'm a creative person. Talk to the audience about entrepreneurship and why they should consider entrepreneurship uh, in addition to uh, working a job. Well, having a career. I, actually wrote a, I, I actually wrote a book called The New Face of Entrepreneurship. And it is my belief that there has never been a better time to become an entrepreneur than right now. As a matter of fact, you know, people have have, have bought into the media's portrayal that the world is going to hell in a handbasket, but I'll say just the opposite. Obviously, COVID and and all the racial tensions we have are are challenges in the world today. But if you're willing to look a little deeper, in my opinion, and that's why I wrote this new book. There's never been a better time to be alive on the planet than right now. And so more people now are shifting away from just looking for a job. They're trying to find a passion. They're trying to find a purpose. They're trying to find something that not only fills their bank account, but fills their soul. And being an entrepreneur can help you do that. Now, everybody, everybody listening to this program has some unique gifts and talents that they as a matter of fact, it's encoded in their DNA. If they're willing to tap into, find out what those gifts and talents are, and then figure out a way to monetize those gifts and talents, then you have a, a company that you can build. You can become an entrepreneur. Now, I have a different definition of entrepreneurs. To me, arises from a belief that I am fulfilling a divine purpose. That's spiritual compensation. The next compensation is what I'll call emotional compensation. And emotional compensation is when I provide my service or product, I feel good about it. So, if you will prioritize the compensation, spiritual first, emotional second, financial third, rest assured, you lay the foundation for creating fulfilling and meaningful companies. So what's happening in our world is that the overwhelming majority of companies and entrepreneurs, they focus only on financial compensation. And so if you pay attention to politicians these days, there's a lot of talk about, uh, you know, billionaires and, and they demonize capitalism as though capitalism is a bad thing. Absolutely nothing wrong with capitalism. As a matter of fact, how did this country become what it is? (laughs) The free enterprise system. The free enterprise system is the engine for entrepreneurs, and that's what makes America so amazing. The problem, though, is when people are only driven by financial compensation, then we get these greedy entrepreneurs that don't care about what they're doing to the planet. They don't care care about how they're really serving their customers, they only care about the bottom line. So what we have to do is have a shift, and that shift is from the financial compensation model to the spiritual compensation model. And trust me, it's already happening. Have you heard the term of heart-centered businesses? Yes. Yes. So, there are more and more heart-centered businesses, more what people call social entrepreneurs. Social entrepreneurs create businesses with the intention of making the world a better place. So, they put purpose over profit. Okay? Mm -hmm. Once again, absolutely nothing wrong with making money absolutely nothing wrong with making you billions of dollars. One of my goals, one of my dreams is to become a billionaire, but I define a billionaire as someone who positively impacts the lives of 1 billion people. Now, rest assured, if I can positively impact the lives of a billion people, my bottom line will show that (laughs) I will be able to say I'm a billionaire. But, It's all about spiritual compensation first. I know that I'm fulfilling a divine purpose with my business, and I'm driven by making a difference versus just making a profit. Yes, indeed. And that's the reason why I do this show. This show makes me feel like the way I felt when I played basketball, you know, coming up as a kid. Like, the energy is there, and so basically, I don't even know how I created it, but I celebrated a year anniversary in February. I get re- emails from all over the world, Switzerland, Ireland, Iceland, I mean, you name it. And it's like, wow. And even in Canada, someone reached out to BBS radio. They had a person that was incarcerated that heard it. And they were like, thumbs up, please keep, keep, keep the show going. So, I mean, it's incredible where you can go with something like this. And so what I'm doing is I've transferred that same energy that I used to express in basketball into learning and teaching and having fun with it. I mean, it's amazing. And and that's, that's when you're on purpose. See, because what most people don't really understand is what they love to do. Very few people can tell you what they love to do, right? A lot of people might say, you know, I love music or I love long walks on the beach, and that's fine and dandy. But the real question is, how do you know when you're doing what you love to do? And I'm going to give you three things to know. These three ways to know when you're doing what you love, okay? Number one, when you're doing what you love, you do it without the thought of compensation. Now, that doesn't mean you can't get paid to do it. But that means you love it so much that even if you didn't get paid, you would still do it. Okay? That's number one. Number two, when you're doing what you love, time literally disappears. When you're doing what you love, for example, as a writer, I can sit at my computer for eight hours. And I swear to you, it feels like 10 minutes. Time just goes away. Right? So that's number two. Number three, when you're doing what you love, you want to share it with others. So there's something in us, inherent in us as human beings, that what we give, we get. And so when I share my knowledge through my podcast or a speaking engagement or through a book, and it, it supports someone, helps someone change their lives, and they feel good, guess what happens? I feel good. So when yes you do indeed. it, when you do That's what you love, you want, yeah, you want to share it with others. So it's an amazing, it's, it's an energetic thing. You do it for the feeling. <laughs> yes it's indeed. love. It's that it's that divine energy that creates worlds. It's love, and so when we tap into that, miracles happen. Wow. Talk to us about. Creativity, innovation, and visionary leadership. So it is my belief that creativity has absolutely nothing to do with your brain. (laughs) Creativity comes from divine intelligence. So if you've ever listened to someone sing a song, right, and they pour their heart out in a song and it touches you, it came from, that song came from an experience. It came from a feeling that they had. And when they sing it, you get that same feeling. Okay? So that creativity is, as human beings, we are born to create. Divine intelligence only does one thing. Well, two things. It loves, But what is love? Love is creation. So creativity is simply the expression of your divine self. It comes from your soul. Um, I never went to college to learn how to write books. I never knew I could be a writer until I started writing. And I realized, wow, this is kind of easy. This is something that's a gift for me. And so I've written a book a year for the past six years. And I'm currently writing three new books. Well, see, that creativity comes from something that I'm connected to. And so when I'm writing, it's like I'm not writing. I'm simply taking dictation. And so that creativity is really the source, divine intelligence, channeling through me. So it's like this, this energy that just kind of moves through me, this information, this wisdom, this knowledge, just sort of pours through me. So as some people would say, I'm just an instrument that God is using to manifest in this reality. So everyone listening to this right now has access to creativity. It is their responsibility to tap into it and to express it. Nicely stated. So tell the audience how they can um, get a hold of your product, find out more about you and your services. The simplest way is to go to www.coachmichaeltaylor.com. That's www.coachmichaeltaylor.com. And if they go there, they have access to all my books, my speaking engagements, and so on, so forth. And they can also get a free, complimentary chapter of the new book, which is again the good news is the future is brighter than you think. So, if you're needing a little inspiration and motivation, go to the site. If nothing else, get that free chapter. I can assure you, it will lift your spirits, shift your mindset, and change your reality. Wow, this has been amazing. Coach Michael Taylor, I'm going to leave you with a poem and a couple of quotes. This is my poem. It's titled, I Got My Mind On It. I've got my heart in it, and it has an unbelievable beat. I've got my heart in it, and due to the still small voice within, yo, I be hearing deep. I've got my heart in it, and I'm expressing my faith. I know that I know that I can teach. I've got my mind on it, and I'm always being authentic with me. I've got my mind on it, and all my promises to myself I'm going to keep. I've got my mind on it, and I have an amazing and pleasing personality. I've got my mind on it, and I'm operating from the vantage point of intentionality. I've got my mind on it, and I'm calm, serene, and tranquil like the sea. I've got my mind on it, and I'm at total peace like the umpire within me. I've got my mind on it, and I'm being creative like with the law of creativity. I've got my mind on it, and I'm reaching further that even I thought I would reach. I've got my mind on it, and I'm releasing immortal truths. I am far more than just the white leaf. I've got my mind on it, and I'm demonstrating all the greatness inside of me. I've got my mind on it, and I'm always, yo, I be thinking deep. I've got my mind on it, and all of my art produced to this point is of the highest quality. I've got my mind on it, and I'm enjoying being surrounded by natural beauty. I've got my mind on it, and I'm reaching feasts that only I am knew I would reach. I've got my mind on it, and I'm constantly and persistently embracing prosperity. I've got my mind on it, and I'm discovering more of my own potentiality. I've got my mind on it, and I'm dominating deliberately. I've got my mind on it, and that specific material manifestation is for the white Lee. I've got my mind on it, and I'm constantly receiving financial prosperity. I've got my mind on it, and through my spirit, it is revealed I am part of the elite. I've got my mind on it, and I'm sort of like M.J. LeBron Kareem and Dr. Martin Luther King. I, too, have a dream. You've been a witness, and i give your testimony. Ralph Waldo Emerson said that a man is all that he thinks about all day long. Buddha said we are the sum total of our thoughts. Henry David Thoreau said if one advances confidently in the direction of his or her dreams and endeavors the life which they have imagined, they will meet with success unexpected and common hours. Until the next time, use your faith. Sutton Impact out. Discover the power of positivity. Identify your gifts. Then plan and execute your passion. And ultimately, thrive exponentially in life. And most importantly in business, on sudden eye impact, with your host, with your host, lean,